whatever. I'm like, why do I need social media? I probably don't need it as much, so I might take a little step back. I feel like I've done that without like consciously. I've just been like, I can't, I can't handle it. Like, uh, <laughs> but it's, you kind of do need it. I don't know. It's like, yeah. it's the only way like new authors get noticed. And I'm like, I don't want homework. I want to just write novels, but yeah, that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. I also just want to look at men and drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> There's, you know, that's all right. I mean, <laughs> Instagram algorithm basically recommends nothing but both male and female cosplayers to me. Ooh, naughty. I mean, naughty. some of the females are naughty, but the, some of the males, apparently, she knows from high school, so. Ooh, very cool. <laughs> uh, uh, let's start the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in love with movies, in love, in, 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 in love, in love. Oh, hello, <laughs> and welcome hello. to uh, In Love With Movies. I'm Danny. And I'm Nick. And we have uh, another voice here. Say hello, other voice. Hey, friends. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. <laughs> we have my friend Scott Mooney here today. Scott is a, an accomplished author and, like, and for real, like, he made books. I don't know why. It's just so mind-blowing to me. I made books. <laughs> you made books, plural, which is really great. Um, and he's here to talk about cool stuff today. Talk um, about love in his work, love in his life. And with that, Danny, what is this podcast in general about to uh, all the new listeners out there? Hi, new listeners. Welcome. Happy New Year. Um, it's about love in movies. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 That's, that's it. it. That's that's the whole plug right there. <laughs> okay. We already introduced ourselves. So, Scott, do you want to, besides my obviously very professional introduction, <laughs> did you want to introduce yourself, say a little bit about who you are and maybe how we know each other? Yeah, so I'm Scott. I'm a writer and an improviser, originally from Michigan, now living in Chicago. Danny and I were cast on the same Mint team, a musical improv night team. That's not what Mint stands for, but it's... I think it is. I think that's right. Is yeah. It? Musical improv night team? That They can't stand for team. It's, just they, it's like M-I, capital Lower M, capital I-N-T. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty so sure. we were on the team Basic Instinct. <laughs> we performed musical improv, and then we uh, flew off into being an independent team monster mixtape, uh, which uh, you've had many uh, accomplished members of the Basically team. Basically, our the whole show. team has been on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, come to think of it, a lot of them. In fact, whoever hasn't been is probably now listening to this being offended. Kelly, <laughs> we got to bring you on, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's Do you have either Josh? No, Josh's. Oh, Anyways, <laughs> yeah, so Scott and I have known each other for like, what, three years now, maybe, or more? What is time? Pretty close, because yeah, I joined that team very shortly after I moved to Chicago, so almost my full time, and I just am coming up on three years, so. Oh, yeah, and I remember, he's taking my coffee away from me, you can't have nice things, <laughs> uh, and you moved to Chicago from where? I was in England. I was in Michigan briefly, kind of between them, but I was in England getting my master's. Oh, wow. Yeah. You yeah. went to Cornell. I went That's to Cornell. Not in England. England. <laughs> Geography. <But> no, hard. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, I did my undergrad at Cornell and then oh. got a master's in film, actually, uh, over at the University of Bristol in England. Jeez. 
this you're so cool scott these are all <laughs> things i didn't know about you I, I'm, you know, I like to like lead people with little breadcrumbs of like, oh yeah, studied at Oxford during undergrad too, you know, just like little. And you, little if you're just cool. listening to this on audio, you can't tell, but Scott is flipping his hair when he says this. <laughs> it's a full back it's and forth. Yep. Beautiful, luscious head of hair. Yeah. Yep. And it's just, yeah. From shoulder to shoulder happening. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Jonathan Van Ness. Oh. <gasps> Oh, we just binge watched uh, half of queer. Oh, okay, half <laughs> oh, of the, the new season. Started. Yeah, it dropped yesterday. Oh, I've not seen it yet, but I'm. I will grab your tissues. Oh boy, <laughs> I just watched the uh, HBO series Finding Magic Mike. Oh, Have you... can you tell me more about this? <laughs> it is a competition series where they take non-professional average guys and they turn them into male strippers. <gasps> but it's about like wow. toxic masculinity and like. It's about them like finding their own magic, but also like stripping and giving lap dances. Okay, sorry. This I watched this one day. We gotta stop. I have we gotta to pause. go watch this because I love competition <laughs> shows. I love male yeah. strippers. So this is right up my alley. And that yeah. sounds like something you might need your tissues for for completely different reasons. Stop it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but like also like I only watch reality <laughs> shows when it's people being nice to each other, and it's like all these like guys just like being really close and vulnerable and being like you got this man like i know i know they do like aerial work and shit like being because it's about them like the prize is they get a hundred thousand dollars but then they also get to be in the magic mike vegas show which is like oh. that's a serious this is not like you know it's a, the job. A, yeah and it's, it's like not a they cash do, payment like, it's like <laughs> yeah and the like pressure and the intensity of i'm like professional dancers man are next level which yeah and as someone who knows nothing about it i'm like i'm super impressed i'm sure because danny you have a dance background right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i was uh well irish dancing was like my main dance but i did ballet yeah, yeah. tap when i was little and then yeah irish dancing was hard competition is even harder girls are very mean to each other and then mm. i broke my foot in a competition and i was like i don't know if this is for me anymore <laughs> Fair. There, there is one scene with a dance injury. Trigger warning. Uh, be on your guard. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I love that. that. I was like, Scott, come to our podcast and talk about your uh, love. And you're like, you know, it's really good. <laughs> Males. By the way, <laughs> it's about <laughs> them learning to love themselves. I, and yeah, I, I really true, do love true. that. I was going to say, let's let's roll off. this back to the like comment on toxic masculinity because that's something I think Sorry, that. Can you say that word again? Nope, I'm not going to do it. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, it's been interesting. And for me, it's been, we've been watching like Ted Lasso, for example. And there's, there's shows, I think, reaching pop culture notice that have yeah. been pushing that envelope forward. And just, that's another one that like, you've got that, what's the, what's the guy with the rough voices name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Hilarious comedian has his own podcast, mm -hmm. but uh, he, you know, just like, just this idea of like, gruff man curse. And then like the vulnerability there and just all the characters kind of learning to, you know, show their softer sides so yeah no and i think that's i think a a change and even like in the format of these shows that they're like we yes it's a competition series yes we eliminate people every round but like the people are very nice to each other and like the like coaches that they bring in are like very invested and in like we want to make people better we want to you know this isn't just about like we're gonna cut them and i think back to stuff you watched in like when i was younger of uh you know like america's next top model where it's like yeah cut throat people are yeah. like you know backstabbing each other and like that's just the and there's still those reality shows today but i think like mm -hmm. 
that transition to like, let's just like maybe not focus on people tearing each other down and be careful. <laughs> That's refreshing um, to know that maybe yeah. America will be nicer again, nicer to each other. Here's maybe. hoping we're, we're recording this uh, fresh into 2022 it's year to, one. to date this a little bit. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's a fresh start. Yes. So back to you, Scott. Yeah, tell yeah. Tell me a little bit more about. <laughs> I really am gonna go watch that stripping show, though. But tell me more about um, how you got into writing, and you want to talk a little bit more about your books too. Yeah, for sure. So I wrote my first book while I was at Cornell. Um, so interestingly, so I was in a program that was sort of a like make your own major uh, sort of deal. So I got an English major, but then I also was in this. It's called the College Scholars Program, and you got to kind of design your own course of study. And so I focused on folklore and fairy tales and their adaptations into modern culture. And so for that, you needed to do like a big senior thesis. And rather than write like a 60 page academic paper that just like your your advisors read and then it's done, I was like, I'm gonna write a novel that like incorporates the themes of what I studied and uh, yeah, just kind of like explores the questions that I was interested in. So I wrote Pricked, what became Pricked, uh, during my undergrad and now looking back i'm like that was i had taken some like creative writing classes but to just be like okay and now a full-length novel <laughs> like is not i wouldn't recommend that i'd recommend like yeah. sounds uncommon <laughs> yeah like do some short stories like you know kind of learn your craft a little bit and then uh undertake that but yeah it was nice because it was like okay i have a deadline of like when i graduate i started probably my sophomore year and uh, yeah, like worked on it while I was studying abroad in England and it was, yeah, it's really great to like have that opportunity in a, a time of your life where you can just like write very, you know, you're still a college student, you know, you don't have all the same kind of responsibilities and things, but yeah. So I wrote that when I was an undergrad, like then was like editing it for many years, had an agent for a while. She was shopping it around eventually then, uh, the agent and I parted ways of, she was like, uh, I can't really find a place to sell it. I've kind of gone through my contacts. Um, but then she, the publisher that I ended up going with uh, was like accepting unagented submissions. And so she like was like, hey, you should try this place. I think they'd really like your work. And so that worked out. Uh, yeah, and then so uh, the first two books have come out. They are, I should actually describe what these books are. So on that theme of like folklore and fairy tales, <laughs> they are, uh, urban fantasy novels set in New York City, uh, and they kind of follow Briar, a young woman who lives in the sixth borough of New York City, which is the kind of like fairy tale other world, uh, kind of underneath the surface of the real world. So in that world, kind of like all the, the normal fairy tale uh, tropes and things are real. And yeah, she has various like mysteries and adventures and things. And the third book is what I'm working on now and will hopefully be released before the end of the year. I don't have a firm date because it's not done yet, but yeah. That's awesome. If you do find that out, let us know and we will like additionally plug it or maybe re-release this episode. Or if we Ooh. have, if it, if it takes long enough, then we could, you know, even push this or <laughs> no pressure or anything. Not trying yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's a, you know, a real gamble of uh, definitely writing in the past two years has been a weird, weird thing of like, uh, 
sometimes I was like super productive and being like, sure. great, there's nothing else to do. Like, let's write. And then other times it was just like, I need to focus on on other things. But yeah, my yeah, brain is not cool. really able to entirely disconnect right now. <laughs> there's there's other stuff going on that maybe requires my attention. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been really cool. And to just to kind of have it out in the world is super awesome. And uh, yeah, it, like it finds its way to people. It's not... Uh, it's always fun when like people I'm like, Oh, you're not someone I know. You're not a family member. You know, you just kind of stumbled on this and really enjoyed it and are now hounding me about book three. So is it, was it always meant to be a trilogy? I, so the first book I definitely was just like, I know there's more stories here. I haven't wrapped everything up. Um, I think it was probably like during the second book where I was like, I think this makes sense to just kind of like cap it and do three books and yeah, like, because I think there's also there's weird elements of publishing that I was learning as I was going, which maybe I should have learned before writing a book again, rather than just jumping into it. But um, a lot of people like won't start a series until it's finished, or they won't mm. buy a series until they know, because uh, sure. we all like binge watching. That's Nobody wants to be thing. Game of Thrones or anything like that. Right, where you're just like, now I'm just waiting. And it's hard because it's like, oh, well, if things don't sell until they're finished, like that author doesn't isn't encouraged to then finish that series because sure. it's, you know, there's, there's yeah. that gap of time, but it's cool. It's like a very fun, uh, I've learned a lot about it and the, yeah, the response has been cool to just like be like, Oh, people, you know, are, are kind of walking through the the streets of the city that I made in my mind. Like that's a, a cool experience. Yeah. I started the first book and it's not against you, Scott. I don't yeah. finish books. I truly don't, but my, you goal also don't year, love fantasy. I didn't I text you when I started reading this, Scott? And yeah. my goal here is to read more books, so I'm gonna hop back in. But I think your sense of like humor and mm. in a weird way <laughs> comes out. Not in a weird way, but like yeah. it was like so enjoyable to me because the like pictures that I was seeing in my mind were also like mm -hmm. weren't taking themselves too seriously. Mm. What do you what yeah. do you call those little pigeon things? Oh, fidgens. Fidgets that are pigeons, yeah. <laughs> chuckles so much oh so yeah i it's i truly enjoyed it and you can tell that like you spent a lot of time building the world first which mm -hmm. i think is what a lot of a lot of times i won't read books because of that i'm like i don't know where i am i can't see anything would you compare it at all to like harry potter is what because i've not obviously attempted to read and so like hearing just your brief description that's where my brain goes yeah so it's it's like that style of fantasy where it's like it's the real world but it, there right. is this kind of like magical element to it so yeah harry potter uh things like i don't know if you're familiar with like the dresden files or mm -hmm. uh yeah like different where it's a tv shows like the magicians maybe i don't know if you've seen that yeah, one yeah i did get a couple people compared to the man magicians where it is like people in our real world but they're dealing with these magical things and okay yeah no i'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it tanny uh, yeah. There's also an audiobook we just released uh, in the last few months, um, which is really I, cool. I think the last time I talked to you about this, I asked if you were going to do one because I pretty yeah. much exclusively listen to audiobooks. Yeah, so okay. is it on Audible or where can I find that? Because that's yes. how I'm going to digest it, this. <laughs> for sure. It is on Audible. We only have the first book as an audiobook, but uh, it's it's up and ready to be consumed. Uh, All right, listeners, then everyone hearing this right now, I want every single one of you along with mm -hmm. me to go download Pricked. That's the first one, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Pricked by Scott Mooney on yeah. Audible. I am literally going to do that as soon as we are finished recording. And I want everyone who's hearing my voice right now to do exactly the same thing. And I'll be watching strippers. <laughs> <laughs>
It's so, that's what makes your relationship work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to audiobooks, she watches strippers. You you know how it is. Um so Scott then d- does with your character Briar and everything of it given that this is a love podcast, does your character Briar have any kind of love interests, romantic situations, maybe entanglements coming in and out of them? How does that look like in the in the books? Without yeah, spoiling for sure. No, there is sort of like a, a little bit of a love triangle of she uh, and it's funny how much like so I started this book when I was 19. Sure. And I'm older than that now. So it's like funny how <laughs> there's, a couple like, of years. there's, you know, uh, come to your own conclusions. But the <laughs> yeah, so it is like a very much in the character. I started writing her when I was 19, but she was 22. So like in my mind, I was like, she's a very, you know, put she's together, mature, mature adult, <laughs> this 22 year old. And I'm like, ah, joke. Uh, but yeah, so she has kind of like a love triangle. There's like, she uh, has sort of this um, uh, relationship from high school that is sort of this like simmering, unsure if they're going to kind of uh, actually become a, a couple or not. And magical stuff has gotten in the way of course um as it so, does as it does you know <laughs> uh but yeah and then she kind of meets a new guy but that kind of you know kicks off slight drama it's not i think like it's fun to write stories that are set in the real world because like everyone around her is like oh like it's a love triangle like you know like we've, we've seen these stories before and she's like <laughs> shut up guys it's not a love triangle but like it is of like there's the you know just multiple potential partners but it it definitely explores sort of those issues and uh the so her kind of magical ability is she gives people emotions through roses so she gives them like a rose that's charged with a feeling of like sadness and then they feel sad and so that's sort of like weirdly how she like solves these mysteries and like gets kind of information out of people and so she's kind of very in touch and it's fun to write a character who's like magical ability is about emotions but she's like a 22 year old who's kind of still learning about her own emotions so it's yeah kind of a a fun uh she doesn't like emotions and feeling them but then that's like what her her gift is so scott is there any any part of you and yourself do you think in that story that you've uh you don't like emotions maybe or (laughs) for sure no i think like definitely especially again as a like 19 year old college student being like oh like it's and i I think like the story i wanted to write i in my mind was like oh it's like a mystery it's like about this like detective kind of uh story that she gets wrapped up in but then yeah looking back at it now you know many years later it's like oh there is that kind of vibe of how do you, you know, uh, use emotions? How can you manipulate people? Because she kind of comes to this conclusion that, like, that's kind of, that's tough, right? If that, like, giving someone emotions, uh, if that were possible, you know, at some point she's like, you know, well, you uh, send people flowers to, you know, cheer them up. How is this different? And it's like, well, it is. It's it's an element of, of amount and scale. But, yeah, like, what would you do if you had the opportunity to, like, change people's emotions? Is there, yeah. like, what morality kind of goes along with that? And, you know, or is it best to just, like, let people let people feel their feels? So it's, a, yeah, I think using kind of magic as a way to explore those issues, I think, was a fun way for me to kind of be like, oh, yeah, like, I, uh, it's fun to write something that you're not, I didn't really have, like, a, oh, this is the message I want to send. It was mm. just, sort of like, exploring that and figuring it out as I went. That's awesome. I, I mean, like personally, all I needed was to hear it was on audiobook, and then I was sold. But you, like, I am now like 
legitimately this might skip some things that I even started already. So um, on that same vein, you mentioned love triangles and things like that. Is <laughs> yeah, there yeah. anything else? Are you your... in a love triangle? <laughs> Not like right now, but maybe when he was 19 writing the in book. COVID? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still. Um, no, but so is there anything else in terms mm. of those romantic uh, relationship statuses and things of that mm. nature that also maybe come from your history? Or is there any other parts besides you dealing with emotions, any part of that? I think so. I think there was definitely like an element of because I was, you know, in college and sort of like still, you know, considering what had happened in high school that then this relationship that I described of like having that person where you're like, oh, you know, nothing ever happened, but like, should it have, could it have, you know, mm -hmm. and then feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, what does that do when you're then trying to move on? And I think uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think that like sort of ties into the the themes of Enchanted of like, well, is there this idea of your one true love? And like, right. as a, you know, idealistic young person to think like, what if that person is my one, you know, will I ever feel this way again? Because whenever you feel something for the first time, it's so intense. And so I think that sense of like, yeah, what, what does that do? Kind of how do you move forward? Should you move forward? Are you giving up because you didn't, you know, give that relationship a try? Totally. Uh, I think there's definitely like elements of that that I'm like, again, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That kind of uh, echoes sort of, I think, what I was thinking about when I was that age. I love that. And do you think since you are more mature moving, what I do? No, I did it this time. Sorry. You're more <laughs> new pop screen getting in the way. I like I hit it and I'm like, I made a noise. Sorry, everyone. Since you're more mature, <laughs> like Nick, um, <laughs> do you think this third book is going to reflect any piece of who you are right now? Yeah, more honestly, more than I want it to. Of like, I ended the <laughs> so the second book came out March 2020. Okay. A confusing time, uh, to say the least. But um, I ended, so I had already, you know, written the book and I'd kind of had this plan for what the, the second book was going to be. And so it was like, basically, it was about this kind of magical world being in crisis and kind of being a very, like, scary sort of thing that's affecting everyone's lives. And then, of course, COVID happened. So it was like, oh, now I have to write about this. So Oof. even when I'm like, in my imaginary world, it's you know, and it's not a, a sickness, it's not anything like directly related, but I think it's hard not to think about that of like, you know, all these narratives of people, you know, saving sure. the world or whatever. It's like, well, you have to kind of then put yourself in those shoes. And, and especially because it's a book that deals so heavily with emotions. It's like, what, what does that feel like? You know, what do you do? How do you move past that and try to make a difference, make a change? And that's like, too real uh, sometimes for a fantasy novel, like not obviously what I was expecting when I kind of was thinking like, oh, cool. And then, you know, uh, what happens when, uh, you know, it looks like the world might be destroyed and it's like, sure. oh, that, that uh, then suddenly became much more uh, what I was dealing with in real life. So, yeah, that's it's uh, hopefully it, maybe there's some some therapeutic uh, thing. <laughs> like, OK, if I can deal with this in, you know, fantasy land, hopefully I can deal with it in the real world. But yeah, I think it did. It's been, I think that's what's been the most challenging about writing this third book is like, okay, if like, this is the, you know, just like an improvising scene, like you're, if this is your uh, set reality, you kind of have to honor that and work through it. But yeah, it's, it's been a weird experience. And, and people even reading the second book that kind of set up this, these uh, kind of uh, scary moments, 
were like, uh, did you, how did you, you know, I was like, I wrote this before all, uh, everything <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's weird how that can happen. I think we were talking about don't look up before we yeah. started recording yeah, yeah. and very similar. Like they, I think had made it before COVID and then like they were getting ready to release it and they really delayed it. And then apparently even Netflix had like some screenings that a friend of mine ended up getting invited to of like, Hey, is this too? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's apparently very reflective of it. For sure. And COVID I think was, uh, I think they'd written it before COVID, but they might've filmed it during COVID. I forget. Sure. But the, yeah, because they were like, oh, this is about climate change, but then it definitely takes on a very different vibe of like, yeah, again, how how do we handle or not handle these kind of existential threats, shared uh, crises? <laughs> As so, Danny cringes. <laughs> no. So finding a way to write a book about that and still keep that humor, keep that kind of like fantastical, whimsy sort of vibe. It's a tough, uh, tough balancing act for sure. And I'm I'm kind of in it right now of like how... Yeah, how to make that where this, hopefully, I want people to kind of walk away feeling good and, like, <laughs> you know, better, but also, like, yeah, you kind of have to uh, tap into some of that uh, uh, tough stuff, I think. Yeah, I think that's something about, I can only imagine, because I've never actually created anything. And, and Scott and listeners, I, I want to apologize very quickly if you all might be hearing our cats in the room with us uh, choosing to decide uh to argue while we are trying to record so if that's not hear them oh good that's good then listeners yeah. probably can't either but danielle i think is going to get them out of the room so they Yay. stop distracting us uh but what i was going to say is i think that those kinds of issues are sometimes difficult and and as a writer i wonder how this process works for you where you want to bring it to a happy ending but also honor sort of the real process and then in the real world let's be honest Nothing. I mean, we talked about this a lot on this podcast. There's, there is no happy ever after. Like it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. and that gets into enchanted a little bit. And like everything takes work. You can certainly mm -hmm. have a happy place, a happy moment. You could be in a happy space, an easier space, but it never is just like everything's done. Um, so having to mm -hmm. write towards the idea of I want to deal with these things, but I also want them to have a resolution. I can only imagine is very difficult because life doesn't tend to have those. Yeah, and I think even the word you just used of resolution feels like, okay, so this, you know, chapter, this, you know, uh, process or whatever's going on in your story is wrapped up and there isn't that lingering sense of like, but what about this? But what about that? But then also, and I like that when, you know, stories show that this, these people continue on in their lives. This is, you know, you're seeing sort of this specific arc and this, you know, conflict be resolved, but it's not, uh, you know, necessarily, oh, and this is the only thing that happens to them. And then like, everything is perfect. Because uh, yeah, I think that is, you know, in general, pretty unsatisfying. But yeah, no, it's hard. And and it's like, I think that, uh, especially while we're in the middle of this, I'm like, I feel like I could write this probably easier, uh, you know, in the future, when I have a little more distance, you know, unfortunately, right now, you're still kind of, uh, it also is not a there's no ending to sure. kind of the situation we all find ourselves in. It's a yeah. How do you learn to live with it? How do you handle sort of the the challenges that come up? Yeah, getting deep on uh, in love like, with movies well, with mm. the depth that we're in. I feel like now might be a good time for us to go ahead and go to our final segment in the love portion. If there's not anything else, Scott, that you feel like you need to get off your chest or questions, Danielle, that you have. Well, I was just gonna say any like yeah, I guess final thoughts about like your love of storytelling in general and mm. how it's kind of like impacted your life. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, what we've just been talking about, there's some quote that I don't, <laughs> I'm going to misquote, and I don't remember <laughs> who said it, but uh, there's the idea, it's, oh, 
I forget who said it, but uh, the quote is like, uh, stories don't exist to tell us that there are dragons. They exist to tell us that dragons can be slayed. So it's that sort of like, okay, we know that stories aren't a reflection of reality. We know these things aren't true, but like what about the way that we tell them helps us live our lives and helps like give us, you know, that emotional release. Like in a lot of ways, the closest thing to Breyer's magic of manipulating emotions is storytelling, is art, you know, of any type, whether it's a song or a painting, you're, you know, reaching into people's hearts and messing around with it. So I think that... Uh, that's what I love about it. I think it can, you know, that can be used in a lot of different ways. And yeah, I think does kind of then tie into what I think about Enchanted too. I love that. And I also love that wow. Nick, his mind is- I'm like, shit. I know, I should uh, <laughs> get that on like a, a painting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Might be a little long for the live, laugh, uh, love. <laughs> sure. Uh, but th Scott, I think that's why you're such a good improviser as well and why oh. it's so, well, honestly, I think our team is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Monster mixtape. Uh, make sure to look them Thank up on you. Yeah, but I think that's why we are able to, like our form when we mm -hmm. are not given five minutes, when we're given a full amount of time is to yeah. create an improvised sci-fi musical on the spot. And I think we've been mm -hmm. more successful than not. And I yeah. think it's because we have people like you who just understand storytelling and you're like i know where something needs to to happen or i need to make like add something into this story yeah and i like what i love about improvising stories too is like you don't which sometimes i write like this sometimes i don't but like you can just say like oh this will heighten things this will add to it i don't know where it'll go or like you give another improviser a really like meaty choice mm -hmm. that whichever one they choose will be interesting but you're still, you know, people will be excited and interested in the outcome. So, yeah, no, I think that is uh, something that our troupe does really well is if you don't care about the people, you know, and, and because it's a musical that like already shows that heightened emotion, uh, even when it's super silly, even when it's, you yeah. know, uh, like I can't even think of all the various like silly monsters coming from comic books or whatever. I just it, remember a book eating someone. That was one of my favorites. Wasn't Kelsey <laughs> like... um mrs kohler like of the sink <laughs> yes yes she was she was the like the evil heiress <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah right and it's like obviously a very silly thing but like it, you get invested in like uh-oh like what's gonna happen to the characters i care about uh yeah okay yeah that's i think that that's a good place for <laughs> that's me that's it that's that's <laughs> that was deep honestly it really was. Uh, our our last segment, listeners, if you've been listening, you know this. And I'm going to take this opportunity because I keep meaning to do this in the last few episodes. There are some people that listen to us and support us very heavily on social media. And I'm going to call them out by name as a thank you Aww. right now. Brandy, Alex, Kelsey, Joe, Mike, Kyle. Jenny. Jenny. Thank you. Uh, running in there with the last name. All right. So... Uh, all of you, we really appreciate it. I just want to give a quick little thank you. If you heard your name, you know which Alex, which Jenny we're talking about. We really appreciate all that you do. And so thank you for that. Uh, we love you very much. But you all, those people listening who are not new listeners, know what this next segment is. This segment is called Closer Through Science. Oh, I was ready with the name. Man. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I would let you ask the question, and therefore I was going to give the plug this time. Okay. What about number 29? I think that's a little bit better. Okay. While she's reading that. So this these questions, listeners, uh, come from an article 
done by some social psychologists a while ago, Aaron et al. in 1997. Long story short, they figured out that they could make people ask these series of questions uh, with varying stages of closeness or, or detail, uh, and they could take complete strangers and make them feel much closer to complete strangers across the room from them simply by making them ask and answer these questions of each other. And therefore, we are going to go ahead and piggyback off of that work and have all of our listeners get closer to Scott and have mm. Scott get closer to us by sharing some of his deeper thoughts and has been a theme because we're getting further along in this we're now in stage three so these questions are all a little bit more heavy yeah. <laughs> uh, than some of the others we've had but that's why danielle was like don't don't ask that one that one's too much that's Susan. so danny what question Can I do ask have one question before this yes you may um, is this uh, are there 34 questions it's 36 and this... uh the sort of full version because they've adjusted okay. it but 34 is the original and you're probably thinking of exactly the study that we're talking about Okay, yes, I know about the study. Have you heard there's a musical about this? What? With Jonathan Groff. It's a what? podcast musical. It's like only audio, but it's, I think, is it 36 or is it 34? It's one of those two, but it's the 34 questions. And it's like about a couple Probably who fell 34. in love with these. I think it's 34, but I could be misremembering. But yeah, it's a podcast musical, like kind of springing off this idea of like, what if two people use this to fall in love? But then like, what are the questions they don't ask? It's oh really my good. God. Yeah. yeah. Now I, I heard I, this on one of your episodes. I was like, I wonder if that's it is. We've talked about, about it. It, yeah. it ends up in a lot of it's a popular, it's a big enough study. It's definitely reached mm -hmm. sort of popular lexicon. It's happened in a lot of sitcoms and, and TV shows, and, movies yeah. talk okay. about it. So I'm not surprised that that's the case. And and there were yeah. one of the things that happened as a finding. I'm sorry. Now we're going off on a total tangent. People hate it when I do this. Uh, like one of the things that was interesting, because that's funny about the, the musical that you're talking about, is they discovered some people who were strangers and met like just on a college campus somewhere for this, like had a higher probability if they happened to be paired with someone who was, you know, of the same sexual orientation and the, and the same sex that they are therefore interested in, like skyrocketed their probability of ending up as romantic partners even though that wasn't necessarily the goal like a like just right. people five years later when they followed up with them were either in committed relationships or completely married by the time because this stuff is is real yeah. deep it's it's the kind Science. of questions listeners that you should be asking your partners or your love interests well scott after this you might be a thruple with us <laughs> oh yeah um, I, also have I hope your current uh dating situation is totally okay with that i mean no 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 qualms i have one more question sorry uh oh <laughs> you said yeah. it's a jonathan groff podcast can yes. you hear the spit <laughs> Truly, he spits more than anyone I've ever. It's nasty. Okay, now really? I'm gonna ask. Okay. For real. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott, share yes. with us an embarrassing moment in your life. Ooh, uh, is it bad that one just is top of my mind? I've no, that's awesome. Recently, um, so I was in the I think it was LAX at like 6 a.m. Uh, LAX is I think my least favorite place in the world and <laughs> not just uh, least favorite airport least favorite place no period. no it's i really Hard just stop. hate it uh, <laughs> i spent the night there once and it Ooh. was terrible um but so in lax like i don't know about you but when i travel i am very like i don't know like you wear sweatpants you wear comfortable stuff and then when people are put together i kind of hate them and they're just like <laughs> they were a cute travel outfit and it's all you know they they thought about what they're wearing and not just like how do i get through this um and so it was 6 a.m. Uh, it was the winter, or maybe I was going back to L.A. I forget which airport, but regardless, there's this beautiful couple behind me. Uh, the guy is a serviceman. They have their 
incredibly adorable baby who until the events of this story has not made a peep is just like love and life uh and so i'm just like noticing them behind me in the security line and i have my carry-on and it's one of the like ones with the big handle and i'm like trying to get through and like take off my belt do all this stuff and i had my carry-on like next to me but it was not balanced it would uh i didn't know that at the time so i like set it down turned to like take off my belt and then it tipped and it was like a slow motion to where they had their baby <laughs> it did not hit it like the handle like tapped the baby's foot it was like <laughs> the baby was okay no injury to the baby but i was just like no 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 like if you <laughs> This beautiful, like this man has served our country. And, like, <laughs> and like the worst part was they were so nice about it. They were just like, it's okay, don't worry about it. And the baby's like crying. It's 6 a.m. I'm just like, I th this could not have gone worse. Uh, because like, not that it would have been like, but they were just they just seemed like such good people. And I uh, I hit their baby with my hit luggage. their baby. <laughs> Can I tell that was bad. That is hysterical and a most sorry. I know I'm not supposed to answer this question, uh -oh. but the most recent time I was in LAX, yeah, this woman. This wasn't an embarrassing story for me, but Nick was getting some. Do you remember? Oh, wait, Nick yeah. was getting some food, and I, I was watching this, this woman sprinting, and no one else was watching her sprinting. I was like, "Where is she going? She's going away from the gates." She was sprinting to the bathroom. <laughs> she was wearing all white, and poop was streaming out her. Oh, Gert, no. and she was just pooping across the floor and running and i felt so bad but no one saw it happen except for me but then everyone saw the aftermath where there was the woman who was trying to clean up the, <laughs> the oh. trail of wet poop oh, and she was wearing God. all white and truly scott it was squirting <laughs> This is the sort of thing that happens at LAX. That's why it is terrible, and I will die on this hill. It's a god-awful, you know, portal to hell. And uh, people crush babies with luggage and shit themselves. So, and the floor. Zero stars. Uh, do not recommend this airport. And so on that note then, Scott, why don't you real quick, uh, just in case anybody doesn't listen to the movie portion of the podcast, give us a quick plug in terms of your books again and where people can find it. Sure. Uh, so the books are titled Pricked and Screaming Beauty by me, Scott Mooney. You can find them anywhere you find books. I recommend bookshop.org, a cool uh, independent, they give money to independent bookstores when you order from them as opposed to another big chain that I won't mention. Choose uh, not to give money to Jeff. That's what we're saying. We Just like continue Jeff. that. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> okay. sure. I think we all know what we're talking about. But yeah, so that's a great way to um, order them. You can find them at your local bookstore. If they don't have it, they should be able to order it. Uh, it's, it's pretty well distributed. And yeah, the third book, hopefully coming soon, uh, um, later this year, completing the Poisoned Apple Trilogy. Very nice. Excellent. And so now, listeners, we're going to go to a quick break. But before we do, Scott, give us a reminder on what movie we'll be discussing on the other end of that. We will be talking about the 2007 Disney film Enchanted, starring Amy Adams. Yes, this is a great one. All right. So we'll see you all on the other side. I have to poop, too. In love with movies. Da -da -da. And, and we're, we're back. back. Welcome back, movie lovers. I uh, feel great. <laughs> That was a good break. Yeah, listeners, don't, you don't know. Uh, that actually was not a joke that Danielle said right before the break. Um, so we are all feeling a little bit lighter and uh, more lighthearted as we go into this discussion of what beautiful movie, Scott? 
we've been paused for 45 minutes. It's <laughs> a secret. Uh, we are now talking about the wonderful film uh, Enchanted. Excellent. And listeners, by the way, uh, in, the, in that 45 minute break, I went ahead and downloaded Scott's uh, book It is available for purchase in audio form. There's also uh, we gave some some lists before the break in terms of places you can order it if you do like reading physical books. So make sure to go check out Pricked and then uh, maybe follow up with his second title as well. And now I'm already screaming. Thank beauty. You. Screaming oh. beauty. But with that, we'll go ahead and we'll get into the opening credits of this movie. And Scott, it sounds like you already knew some of them and did a little bit of research. So please, both of you, by all means, jump in with any sort of little factoids or, or bits of information. But opening credits, the movie that we are talking about here is Enchanted. And as Scott has mentioned, it, it came out in 2007. So we're getting a little bit older, but still, you know, a modern uh, classic for sure. Starring the illustrious Amy Adams. Uh, for me, this was kind of one of her breakout roles. This was before she became, you know, sort of Oscar winning Amy Adams. But it was uh, after she'd been in a couple of other smaller things. James Marsden, uh, who, who played what? Cyclops before so this. High. Certainly part of that. Mm -hmm. He is. I'm, very I'm just, just very. Yeah. Very that's <laughs> Objectively. Um, fun fact. He also is in a much smaller film, uh, the movie Sex Drive which he plays sort of a sexually frustrated closeted homosexual who beat like picks on his brother for masculinity. And then like by the end of the movie, anyway, it's, it's really, I think funny. It's a great role. And because he's supposed to be like hyper masculine for 80% of the movie, he's like, you know, in muscle shirts and things of that nature too. So in case anyone's interested in that sort of thing, we also have Susan Sarandon. We got Danielle nodding. Uh, those who, uh, you know, may be listeners uh, who've listened to us a lot, you would know that we just recently discussed the fact that Susan Trandon is married to the voice of Jack Skellington, uh, which we had to look hmm. up and figure out uh, it was her husband, not her brother or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. And then, of course, Patrick Dempsey, uh, who... Dr. McDreamy, right? Yes. Right. And I, we will probably get into this, but I have the question. What the hell ever happened to Patrick Dempsey? Like he was. He's still on Grey's Anatomy. Is, is, I don't know. I thought he died. Oh, I was going to say. Anatomy. No, no. I always forget that, that show continues, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott's like, dude, he died. You're a dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How dare you crap on his memory? <laughs> um, no, I, I just kind of wonder. He was like, it seemed like he was going to be a thing there around 2007. And then because uh, he was in this and Maid of Honor and some other things. And then now I feel like you don't see him. Yeah. Thing. I think he's fine. He's fine as a leading man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, fun fact. Also, it's directed by uh, a man named Kevin Lima who also directed Tarzan and a goofy movie. Okay, I also absolutely love both of those movies. I was thinking, also <laughs> yeah. amazing Disney musicals. Yeah. Really up there. Uh, and writer uh, Billy Kelly, or Bill Kelly, who I uh, only credits that I also recognize from them is, is the uh, Brendan Fraser uh, piece, Blast from the Past, which uh, I don't know that one. I like that movie, but it's, it's a deep one, and uh, not a lot other than that on that you person's credits. I'm you sorry. Skip the narrator Julie Andrews. I was gonna ask if you recognized her voice because she's no. only like got three lines or something. No, yeah. I didn't realize <sighs> her. Sorry. We also Adina Menzel as Nancy. Oh yeah, why would you not say Adina Menzel? What's her name? Edna Des Nazim. Oh, Nazim. <laughs> yeah, John Travolta's like word salad of her name. 
Well, I also was trying to give you up. I knew you would not let me forget. I swear to God, I did not write it down even as I was writing. I was like, there's, I'm not going to waste the space in my notebook. There's no way that Danielle doesn't bring up Adina Menzel. So, yeah. That beat me to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is <laughs> Who also is underused in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. This is a star studded cast. And I don't know the other guy's name who is the, uh, he's also in Harry Potter. He plays the oh. rat. Oh. Uh, his name uh, is Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. Oh, there you yeah, go, yeah. Scott. I have the Wikipedia open. I'm not. I'm <laughs> Wait, He's like, I'm cheating too. Does it's he okay. play a rat sometime? Wormtail, yes, in in the Harry Potter movies. Okay, he is a rat. Okay, he's he's literally a rat for the first two movies. Becomes a human at the end of the third, and then is a very wor- or rat-like uh, human being for for the remainder. Of he the just movies. yeah, he yeah. looks like a rat. Sorry to that actor. Wow, he he's a brilliant like a actor, but yeah. he does fit that role quite yeah. well. He's made a career out of it, you know? Use what you got. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, um, I, I well, I, I, have to, I had something about the animation. I just wanted to say, the animation, I think they did an amazing job uh, mm. sort of like in the beginning representing the actors as their animated characters. Like, I felt like they looked truly like the real person turned into a Disney-fied character. I, th- I thought that was a really brilliant job but before we get too deep into our discussion i want to make sure that we get into our love stories and our danny's dingle so before we go into the love story yeah (laughs) let me speak all right well this is time for everyone's favorite segment where danielle will summarize the entire movie in a spoken word improvised poem time for danny's dingle ding was that ben hebert yes it is well it's ben A bear. A bear. <laughs> a bear. Sorry. My, my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I never know how to say his last name. Sorry, yeah. Ben. Uh, okay. Enchanted. Low rent Cinderella. Waterfall hole. Sewer entrances. Chipmunk. Dr. McDreamy. Love? Wait, that was my love. Wait, love. <laughs> Curtains. Uh, multiple songs that are a bop. <laughs> True love's kiss, happy, happy ever after. Carrie Underwood. Thank you. Yeah. It took me a moment to think about what the hell is curtains. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's not the end yet, is it? <laughs> That's, yeah, I was like, is there a moment when like the no, obviously, but she cuts up a rug or something too. She just basically right, cuts fabric, every yeah. fabric that she can find. That was textile. Kind of a lame. Uh, I was cracking myself up with the, that Danny Stingle. Don't 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 doubt yourself. Okay. Don't doubt yourself. It's amazing. I want to say before we get into our love stories, when Scott told me he wanted to, we kind of mentioned this at our little holiday party, and then you mm-hmm. like reconfirmed that you wanted to watch Enchanted, and I was pumped because sometimes on this podcast i have to watch movies that i don't like (laughs) or that are dark or like make me sometimes 80 to 90 percent maybe (laughs) i love this movie so i'll start with my love story then please do i don't remember the first time i watched this i'm assuming it was in theaters probably because i would have been oh dear 2006 2007 uh like a freshman or sophomore in high school right yeah i think probably because i would have been freshman or sophomore in college yeah so i probably saw this with like my mom or my friends or something but Mm -hmm. i just never stopped watching it (laughs) yeah it's just so good and so uplifting and i think i own the dvd somewhere but um yeah so i i don't have a love story i just think that there's no no bad thing about this movie i love it so much and the soundtrack truly is a bop when before we even started watching this i was like how does she know? And Nick's like, yes. How that does you love she her. Know? 
Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 and that earworm will be in my head for at least two weeks. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, as the composer and lyricist, should oh. mention them. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm yeah. getting an echo also. Is that Ooh, new? I'm not, I'm not hearing an echo. Hmm. Okay, it's just... Oh, it went away? Okay. Okay. Yes? We're good. Our audio yeah. has been sucking balls. Recently, yeah, it'll probably so. sound terrible when we uh, post this yeah, anyway. I don't sorry, know. listeners. We'll see. <laughs> we're, we're getting a new soundboard, actually, to see if that might help things. But my love story is also relatively quick. Uh, I distinctly yeah. know that I did not see it in theaters because I know that I kind of like watched it or saw like previews. Like, ah, oh, that looks like it might be interesting. The whole no, live action thing. It's marketed as a girl movie. I think. Oh, it definitely is. And yeah. I was freshman, sophomore in college at a perfect time when I would have been ignoring, you know, lady movies and things of that sure. nature. Um, but I think I, I have a vague memory of watching it on uh, DVD as one of the many movies that that I watched on the couch at my girlfriend's apartment in college. Like, so I remember did watching you watch it. At some it point. Or did you watch it? No, 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 no. You know this. When 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 we're watching movies, if it's one I haven't seen yet, I'm watching the movie. I've literally been in movie theaters. I can remember Hidalgo. There was a girl in high school that I was trying to see, and she's like wanting to make out, and I'm like, "Fucking movies on!" Like, <laughs> this is. We got all of Hugo Mortensen on here. Like, I'm not. What, what, stop kissing my neck. Leave me alone. Um, don't go and chill. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that really sets the mood, that movie. Mm. <laughs> Horses dying. <laughs> um, anyway, so that, yeah, mine's whatever. I watched it at some point on DVD and have enjoyed it. Don't have like, you know, wow feelings for it, but, yeah. but like it a great deal. Scott, yeah. yours is understandably going to be the best uh, love story. So, why did you pick this movie for us and what does it mean to you? Yeah, so I was, I think, similar to uh, Nick. It probably, I think it would have come out like my senior year in high school. I don't know okay. exactly what part of, oh no, I would have just started uh, my freshman year of college. So I'm so, the old part here. Good. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, real, real close. Uh, but so I didn't see it in theaters and then somehow got a copy of it, I'm sure very legally, uh, on my <laughs> And it yeah it was just like that movie that i watched like whenever i was just like i want to be in a good mood i'm like feeling down just like want to do something like you know college ups and downs like leaving home and i was just like this will cheer me up no matter what and honestly like i think you know i talked about how in college i did you know study folklore and fairy tales and looking at this movie and then looking at my book like there's some common threads and i do think as silly and bonkers as it can be like it does ask some interesting questions about sure. stories about the stories we tell children about you know love and how we sort of market love to the next generation and mm -hmm. yeah no i think it's it's a uh, cool i'm excited i don't think we've mentioned it yet is there's a sequel coming out later this year what They've that's already filmed it. yeah oh, so they filmed it oh all my the... mind is blown it's oh, called Disenchanted, uh, not to plug Disney Plus, but it'll be on Disney Plus later this year. I don't think it has a specific date, but I'm like very curious because I like the themes of this movie. I'm so curious how it would feel how 15 gonna... years later. Yeah, know, and, and Disenchanted. These... Like, is it about them divorcing? Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> some themes of divorce in the first one. Uh, yeah, I don't. That... I'm very skeptical of any like reboot 
because it seems yeah. like that's all we do nowadays. And there's a Hocus Pocus 2 coming out this year, too. And I'm like, I don't, you can't touch perfection. And to me, Hocus yeah. Pocus and Enchanted are pretty much perfection. So so legitimately, I feel bad that I'm, I'm continuing to, to do this to you, Scott. But no added yeah. pressure. I mean, the timing for us to release this episode would be perfect if it was just right in with your book coming out and <laughs> also Disenchanted. So if it's both later this year, you've now got a moving target uh, for you to try and hit for sure. it. You come out the same month as Disenchanted, and we'll, we'll just put those out together. It'll be perfect. Yeah, Scott, tell whatever works. Tell Nick that <laughs> you'll finish your book when he finishes his dissertation. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Touche. Gauntlet thrown. Touche. So there's themes within it, and you feel like it informed uh, your writing, and sort of maybe it changed your perspective on fantasy. I think so. And I think, you know, that was about the time where I was reading uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. And so that okay. idea that sure. these stories kind of survive and are important to us and we kind of reinterpret them and reimagine them in each successive generation for whatever purposes, you know, that our individuals and cultures demand. But I think that idea of like Disney exploring kind of the effects or the uh, the kind of clash of fairy tale fantasy and the real world mm -hmm. it's it's a weird film that i think works really well and yeah it's it's at the same time it's very fun i think there are those moments where you're just like ooh this i don't know that it totally answers all those questions or like you know the idea of like there is no happy ever after which we've sure. already talked about but like yeah it's it's there's a lot that's fun to it i think yeah i agree with danny like the animation's beautiful that like art deco uh animated music. sequences and the music is so good i wish there was more of the music fun fact that i found while i was uh like poking around for this is adina menzel and james marsden had a song that they cut steven schwartz said, wrote it why, is Idina, uh, why do you have adina menzel why if is you're she not, not singing, singing? <laughs> yeah well and it's interesting because she kept uh like getting that question in interviews and she was like i was actually very happy that i was cast as an actress and it wasn't just about my voice and she is sure. great in this movie underused i think as an actor too but yeah so they originally the plan was to have them sing the title track enchanted at the end of the film and they were like it just didn't work like wow. it didn't make sense to i don't know if they like recorded it. i don't know if it got cut in the script phase but they were like it was kind of like the end of the story. So then to have like this new song come out didn't make sense. Mm. But they all four of the main characters are in the sequel and apparently all four of them are singing. So and yeah, that, yeah I was going to. Yeah, now I'm like my brain is this. This brand new piece of information is making my mind race in terms of trying to figure out what could be the possible storylines, uh, given where we left well, the characters. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Indeed, we will. I will say, I think that this is, and you kind of hit the nail on the head, Scott, that this is a mm -hmm. progressive mm -hmm. fairy tale. It's mm -hmm. the beginning of Disney being like, what is it, self-realized or whatever, being like, oh, you know, the stories we've been telling for the past 50 years, they kind of <laughs> screwed up some girls, you know? So, and then. <laughs> and, boys. and boys. And boys. But and non-binary people, I assume. Agreed. Yes, all yeah. the humans. It, it, Disney really screwed us over by thinking there's always a happy ending and so they started this is enchanted and then from here became like brave princess and the frog like all sure, the female sure. uh what's uh was the Rapunzel Moana? one? Oh, oh tangled. tangled you know which is yeah. also a great movie but it's it's uh going astray from the traditional like happy ever after but they start mm. it in the exact way of like I thought it was hysterical <laughs> I don't know if I remember this. She falls on a horse and he goes, what's your name? She said, Giselle. And he goes, 
Oh, Giselle, we will be married in the morning. Yes. Like, that's their love story. And <laughs> right. that's kind of a joke, but it's like, that's how all the other Disney and ones have really been. That's I wrote this down, and I, I kind of remembered this um, from the first time I'd watched it, or I've seen it maybe once since then. Uh, but I also noted, like, now the way that they handle it is probably a little dated. But yeah. it was like you had to first start with this idea as they kind of gave it their like a very farcical send up of we really have an animated worlds made it, you know, the next day. And mm -hmm. then the whole thing is and this is where like I'm like, this is the part that's a little dated for me is when she meets Patrick Dempsey. It's we've basically done a send up and said, no, that's not what love is really like. But then in the matter of five days, they fall in love with each other. And basically it's like, we, we, we said, this is not what love is like. And then the lesson is actually at the end. Yes, it is. And you should be looking for your love happily ever after. Nonetheless, <laughs> it's just like, wait, right. Like, huh? <laughs> but I think the message is that love is not just this perfect thing. She realizes she's in love with Patrick Dempsey when he makes her angry, when she's able to feel another emotion. That's a very good point. And like that earlier. scene, like, that's such a weird scene, and I love that. But, like, yeah, because she goes through the whole, like, oh, I'm angry. This is, like, a new emotion, which, like, mm -hmm. Disney princesses, you know, traditionally, the ones that they're kind of doing the send-up of, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, like, yeah, don't show anger. Like, are you kidding? But mm -hmm. then she feels angry, and then she, like, let's be real, feels very horny. Like, that scene <laughs> where he's in, he's in the bathrobe with the yeah, little, like, chest like, hair. Like, I looked at her. Yeah, her eye line is just like his eyes are up here. She's looking <laughs> up here, and then like, yeah, I I knew that that was like the like even like the closest to like a sexy scene this uh, movie had. But like reaching like this last watch, I was just yeah, that's a really interesting. Like it's her kind of then having these forbidden female emotions of like rage, but then also desire. And yeah, mm -hmm. she touches his chest, and then like. He like they almost kiss and he leaves. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's funny because he wears the next day. He's wearing the same bathrobe with an undershirt to cover up that little triangle of chest hair. And I was like, yeah, like they knew what they were doing. That was like a very intentional choice of like, wow. which is so funny, too, because it's like a Disney movie. But it's like right. that like little bit of like, ooh, like a suggestion of like not even nudity but a topless man like right that was the closest <laughs> they got up a topless man. yeah well, and it's rather so they do the same thing with her at a different scene when she's like getting out and the birds are putting the towel on and it's True. rather suggestive similarly but yeah. you don't actually see yeah. anything the anger scene make me made me a little tingly because i was like oh patrick dempsey <laughs> man it got me it was good yeah <laughs> Um, Danielle, no, I, I agree with Nick is that idea that like the, the moral isn't it's don't marry the first man you meet, marry the second man you meet. It's like, <laughs> that's like no, okay, right, that that's our progress. Things. Come on. <laughs> I agree. Uh, like, I, really, I genuinely like your reframing of it because I really was like, oh, don't marry immediately, but marry immediately. Like, or like true love doesn't exist, but it really doesn't. That's what you should be looking forward to. Yeah, <laughs> but I like well, your. And I, reframing danielle Dan. yeah no i think that's true and i think it's like the rather than the like idea of love it's like the actual feeling of love and that like you know waiting or you know breaking off a relationship that isn't making you feel the same way because like that's her kind of choice in some ways is that like she's going she's like okay i want to have a date i want to actually get to know this person and then that's like you can just see it on her face as she's just <laughs> like oh He's real pretty, but real dumb. Like uh, <laughs> James Marsden is 
perfect in this role. I was chuckling the whole time because he's like, he plays so self-absorbed, but so unaware and so Mm -hmm. innocent and Mm -hmm. so dumb all in very few lines, honestly. He's a great actor. His his performance in Amy Adams, like when they have to do that, like very like overblown, like they sell it so well. The only scene that like, because most of the time they do a good job of like, these are fairy tale characters, like interacting with the real world. The scene where Amy Adams like swallows a fish, I'm just like, that's not a Disney <laughs> princess thing. That's like she's on ketamine. Like, what's going on? Like? I did think that too. I was like, where? Why? What? Why? <laughs> it just does not make any sense. <laughs> yeah, but Amy Adams also is perfect. The way she just like walks around and flounces. Yeah. Like is- in, her yeah. in her little like like balletic fingers. Like oh, yes. so good. Yeah. So great. And I also think that Disney did a great job of taking a fairy tale and bringing it to the real world every single time someone came out of that sewer i lost it yeah (laughs) the glitter explodes and then she's in this giant dress at the beginning which is Mm -hmm. hysterical and then james marsden comes out like like a prince perfectly quaffed and he's like you know immediately in a perfect stance and then the evil witch comes out evilly (laughs) (laughs) but there's always glitter that comes out very sparkly which is hilarious um and just the lines i think are very like Especially at the beginning when uh, James Mar nope, Patrick Dempsey is like, welcome to New York. And she's like, thank Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Like doesn't know what sarcasm is even. Just takes the word at face value. And then right after that, he's like, are you always falling? And she goes, well, usually someone's catching me. (laughs) (laughs) She's just so innocent. I don't know. I honestly didn't write a lot of notes because this movie is so great. I think they just yeah. do a great job of developing characters. Even Pip. Yeah. Pip is the hero of this Super movie. fun. Uh, I would agree with that. In fact, it's kind of... I wonder <clears throat> about a movie where they let Pip speak in mm. the real world. Hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, liked, I liked the character of Pip and his personality from the voice actor in the animated scenes. Yes. And I feel like some of that was lost, but the... You know, like that wasn't it wasn't quite there. That was good though. That was um <laughs> and the director Kevin Lima was the voice of him in the real world, and then someone else was the voice for him in the animated world. Pip was I, actually kind of New Yorky when he had a voice in the animated <laughs> yeah. world. He was yes. very sassy. Yeah. He would have fit in yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's actually funny to think about. Like, oh yeah, he of all the characters had the best like kind of New York feel to uh yeah. in the fairy tale world. And then I love in the real world, they just said it in New York so well. Like she calls for her animal friends and it's rats and pigeons and cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even that, like that song, listening to the lyrics again this time, I was like, oh yeah, it also is like, rather than the, oh, like, isn't it so fun to clean your house? Like women, like at that song, you know, the uh, various like Disney movies have done it, but it's like the, it's like cleaning up the scum from the like drains and it's like very like dirty in a way that you're like oh yeah this is kind of like i think critiquing that you know oh like just smile and do your chores it's like oh yeah like you want to clean the bathroom you got to clean the bathroom (laughs) we know what people do there that's true so uh, speaking of love triangles from before what do we think about the love story in this movie it's it's Different than uh, I feel like a lot of movies. Maybe not. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it though? <laughs> well, well yeah. how would you feel if you were Idina Menzel? 
Okay, so <laughs> we're t- I'm not, in my brain, I was thinking like Marsden, Dempsey, Adams. Sure. Shifting but, gears for Dina Menzel. Uh, yeah, I have lots of thoughts. Um, it's she love quadrangle. Was, yes. in, me, in my opinion, totally justified in her response uh, to when she first finds the two of them. And... Mm-hmm beyond gracious with how quickly she just sort of bought what he was saying and believed him. I mean, why did this, I literally, I did write this down. I was like, why in the hell, if he's got this mature relationship with this woman, does he not send her a text say some weird shit happened? I got a woman staying with us. He knows she's coming. We've already established that coming the next morning to see the child. He knows that this woman is, he's now letting this woman stay there. Are they not speaking when they, you know, go to say goodnight to each other? Like, there's just so many things. I'm like, how does he not inform her? Hey, heads up. There's a strange woman in my apartment. Because I feel like then at least maybe like he could have, she'd have stuck around to listen to him. And he's like, no, yeah. wait, I promise. It's not what it looks like. Instead, it does look like he's like, oh, well, you wanted to, I love her. What? How did she phrase it? Uh, grown up girl time. Oh, so you can have some grown up girl time here. Like, yeah, yeah shit. That's what it looks like. <laughs> She I, all of her lines in that scene are perfect. She says something about like, "Oh, I thought I wasn't staying over because you know I was respecting your boundaries with your daughter." Turns out it was crowd control. Yes, <laughs> yes. Dina Menzel, get it? She does. I love her, but she does have RBF, and I think she gets cast in roles that are a little uh, cranky. I guess. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think we're supposed to be like, "Oh, like she's the bad girlfriend, and you know Giselle's the good girlfriend." She's like. But yeah, and I think they're, but the way they like phrase that relationship when uh, Patrick Dempsey's talking to his assistant is he's like, oh, like we've, you know, gone over our strengths and weaknesses and we are entering, you know, a partnership. And she's like, it's, you're supposed to be in a relationship, not a business merger. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, I think it's that like, these are two people who it's that we've all had that of like, you look good on paper, this should work, but there isn't that like spark there. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's what it is. And it's not sure. that she's she's bad the thing that i noticed this watch that blew my mind that i've never and i've seen this movie a lot and i have don't think i've ever noticed in the very end credits when giselle has her dress business she took over uh nancy's business that's in the same location because she was like a fashion designer right because there's the scene where they have the birds and you're just like, oh, that's so cold-blooded. She stole her man and took over her business. Granted, she goes to be a queen, but, like, Nancy was wronged, I will what? say. Yeah, now I'm like, well, crap, knowing that and knowing that, it, like, obviously she wouldn't, you know, have existed. Now I'm like, how deep did this go since they kind of swapped places in terms of, you know, the, uh, Adina goes to Andalusia or whatever it's called. Yeah. Did, does she just, like, presume her identity <laughs> like, all of right. her social security <laughs> her paperwork like yeah, yeah. she's assuming her business that you know right. really don't have to change anything everything on paper is the same all the plans are the same it's still a, just a different woman in the shoes though that that wow that's yeah. a good one scott thank you for bringing that up I, that blows my mind now there's also like realistically they just used that location twice but i was just like <laughs> that's in that's wild yeah. In my head, canon, no. She literally replaced her. She now, her official name on her driver's license is yeah. the same as Adina Menzel's character. And she just, you know, privately gets called uh, whatever her name is. <laughs> the, the other line that made me chuckle that's very realistic about Idina Menzel. Idina. I don't know why I can't say her name. Um, I can't remember who says it, but it's like five years and you haven't proposed? Yeah. No wonder she's angry. Like, she obviously has every right to be yeah. mad. <laughs> right. 
But she also, I think Adina Menzel, maybe the second movie will be her um, I hope it her is. Her comeback because she just wanted romance. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Dempsey mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. give her none of that, mm-hmm. but gave it all to Giselle the second he met her. Well, and I think that that's <clears throat> maybe, and I'd love to hear you all's thoughts on this. One thing that did occur to me while I was watching it is like, is this also a commentary that we, again, we're saying we don't want just like flat out romance. We want to be realistic, but also all women just went flat out romance is essentially what's being said. It's because like we're, we're introduced to that relationship as like, oh, they're very down to earth and they communicate with each other and they really have, you know, boundaries and they know each other and they've been together for five years and they really, you know, know each other's this and that. But then the moment he shows her even just a modicum of, you know, sort of traditional romance, he gives her flowers. She is beside herself. And you could tell she's just been like starved for that the entire time. Like this man has never gotten her chocolates once. Um, And I'm someone who likes giving chocolates and likes doing romantic gestures, but I also don't know that I love the idea of us setting it up that like, this is what love should be. And that's all that love is. What are your thoughts? I think that he, she just realized that like she wanted some of that and Patrick Dempsey never gave her any of that. It was too much of a business deal relationship rather than love. And I think that's just a, an example of it like she just wanted freaking flowers sure and he didn't take the time to stop and say maybe she would want flowers so i don't know i think it was realistic honestly well but then she ends up with james marsden which is after like they've said two sentences to each other and they run (laughs) back and get married so i do agree that it's like oh yeah if she you know the i think there's a balance there of like realism and fantasy and romance and you know pragmatism but then it's like he says something nice about another woman and she's like, you're so like honest and forthright. And then right. like he puts a shoe on her foot and she's like DTF. Like she's like, <laughs> <laughs> not even just DTF, I- DTM. She is ready to DTM. get married. Like I'm committing <laughs> my life. Her to- entire life. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's like a, you've been abducted to a cult, your support system. Like she goes to another world and granted is queen and like would be a better queen than james marsden would be (laughs) so like i i have a lot of questions about how like the monarchy in andalusia works (laughs) the stepmother the stepmother we assume so she wasn't she married the rightful king and the king died but then yes i think she gives up the throne if her son gets married which is like a real weird like that's not how earth monarchies work right i like, wonder it's, if it's... it might be like a certain age but like i don't know the problem was him getting married clearly that's right. why he was trying to get rid of giselle well i wonder right. if it's like somehow a a monarchy through women instead of a patriarchy so it's a matriarchal monarchy mm. but sort of in a in the same way we would have issues today where like you know if you only had daughters as a monarch you would be careful about who you wed your daughter to because the whoever you marry them to would become king effectively maybe the same but the flip here of like she was stepmother so we know that she married in but she became the monarch when she married in and then now because she killed the king (laughs) um i don't know that's i I, I didn't think that deeply about it, Scott, but now, now that you pointed out, yeah, that does raise some questions. Only questions. Yeah. Well, because, like, yeah, and Susan Sarandon's character, like, she she's great. She's a, Crushes like, it. Just, like uh, a very fun, like, real-life villain sort of thing. But, like, her, in a lot of ways, she is just, like, I just want to keep the power that I have. Right. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, and, and uh, like I said, is James Marsden the best ruler? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, yeah. 
It reminds me of what's that uh, show that we watched on Hulu called Elizabeth. Um, the Great. The Great. The Great's a good oh, show. I haven't seen that, but it looks really Hulu good. original. And basically, yeah, yeah. She, one of the Fanning sisters. She's marrying in to become queen. But basically, it's because the king, the guy who's going to be king, is a total idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and spoilers for those of you who know your history. Catherine the Great becomes, she's called the Great because she's like yeah. the person who brings modern society and civilization to mm-hmm. all of Russia. Yeah. So. But the guy she yeah. marries is a big dumb dumb. dumb. Yeah. Played very well by Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Very good. But I bought, you know, aside from all the rules and stuff, <clears throat> I bought it. Idina Menzel belongs oh, yeah. in the romance world. And I think... Uh, Amy Adams needed to have a little bit of realism because anger made her horny, as you said. <laughs> so she wanted to live in a world where she could feel angry. So I think the swap worked out perfectly. And I think this is a perfect movie. <laughs> and, and what I will no. agree with is also, like, even if you don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been the only one who's been a little bit critical. But I will say, like, especially for 15, 20 years ago, whatever, 12 years ago, whatever it is, was very much pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. even now, sort of, it does at least suggest to the idea of maybe whatever your best love is, is not what you think it is. Like, I think that can still completely apply to today. Like what you think you are looking for in a relationship is not actually necessarily what is best for you. So like a difference between what you want and what you need, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. And then we just happen to have two different characters who had one idea and they were different opposing ideas and they ended up being, you know, Actually, what they needed was just a, a perfect uh, reflection of each other. Yeah, that they were they found the person, and then that the kind of the feelings that they had then guided the way to a, a better relationship. Well, and it's like I love the moment where Patrick Dempsey gives his daughter the book of like women, and it's like that's a weird moment of like again like w- the feminism of uh, mm-hmm. Enchanted, mm-hmm. but where that's like seen as like obviously not what she wants, where she's just like. Madame Curie died? And they're like, <laughs> well, yeah, but also, like, advanced our knowledge and understanding and, like, all these historical figures have died to, like, get over it. But, yeah, that sense of, like, do you have to choose one or the other of, like, can we look at real-world stuff or fantasy stuff? Because uh, he's like, I know you wanted that book of fairy tales, but right. instead I got you this. So it's, like, a weird, like, not... I don't know. I don't think they're trying to, like, shit on people who are... Like, he's a single dad trying to build up his daughter. Like, I right. love that. But... Yeah, there's that weird, like, oh, you can only have one or the other. And maybe by the end, the idea is you don't have to choose one. You can, you know, uh, have fairy tales and reality existing, I guess. Because, like, that's kind of what happens is the worlds sort of are more merged by the end. But, yeah, it's very interesting. It is. You know what I love that I think is maybe subtle, maybe not? Um, At the end, when they're all at the ball, everyone's finally in, like, royal clothes. And then Amy Adam walks in in a beautiful dress that's nothing like a princess dress. And yet mm. Patrick Dempsey can only see her as like his princess or whatever. Mm. I thought that was very sweet and very like telling of he's in love with this woman who he will view as a princess, whether she's in a fluffy mm. dress or not. You're my princess, um. my queen. Yes, but right. yeah, I, I like the arc that her fashion has from the like yes. wild, extravagant, you know, <laughs> wedding dress that gets in her way and like uh, doesn't allow her to move very well <laughs> to the kind of more modern, like her hair straight. She looks like a person who fits into New York City. But you're mm-hmm. right. That's not the event. The event is a like powdered wigs and uh, corsets <laughs> and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had not noticed the the actual progression of the fashion until mm-hmm. you just said it, Scott. Like, yeah. And I think that like you've said on other things, I think that must have been a choice because she 
she literally oh, yeah. can't get through a modern door, uh, <laughs> you know, in her first yeah, the hoop And then she's thing, the one yeah. creating her own. And, and I think that then also, you know, betrays a, a choice from the filmmakers of she's making it and she's making like what she wants as herself. And the first one that she makes is still pretty darn floofy, pretty darn princess. Mm -hmm. The next one that she makes is like, yeah, it's got some, you know, flowers on it, but it's like much more toned down. It's much more sleek. It's much more modern. I had not even put that together. And then obviously the final one. And then think of yeah. that credit card bill, though. After <laughs> spree. Yeah, that's yeah. I, that. I that's a, also a nice moment between her and the daughter. And like yes. it gives but there are so many questions. And I, I think it's because like we don't necessarily expect again for like a Disney movie. Like there's the whole dead mom trope. But like yep. they just say like the mom left. Yeah, she and, wasn't dead. like. Yeah, which, like, I remember my first watch of this, I was, like, unsure of, like, he just said she left. Does, yeah. Did she leave the world? Did she leave? But, yeah, I think it was, like, they split up. Yeah, I think especially from the out. way that he's embittered. I think it was totally, yeah. like, she just, yeah. The relationship just, failed, and yeah. But then also Giselle's, like, I've never been shopping with my mom. Why were you living in the middle of the woods by yourself with only animals? <laughs> like, what's your backstory? <laughs> like, we just don't know. <laughs> You know, going back to the the point mm. of uh, James Mart, nope, McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey. Okay, um, he like he like you just said is very bitter about his wife, or I'm assuming wife, sure. just literally walking out on him. That the reason Giselle is so good for him is because she brings true joy, and I think Adina Menzel isn't super truly joyful. Yeah, very practical. <laughs> yeah, but yeah wasn't... she's very practical. And so I think that's another reason why like her fairy tale-ness needed to be in the real world and then Adina needed to be queen in the other world. Mm. That was what each of them were missing. Like clearly James Marsden was just like, we sing a duet together, we're married. <laughs> yeah. And she, he needs a little realism where McDreamy lost all his joy and then Giselle's able to bring it back to him. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guys, I think that- <laughs> <laughs> and I think that fits with the relationship with the daughter is I think for both at the beginning, like they're Nancy and uh, Patrick Dempsey are both treating her as an adult when she's six, right? They're yeah. like grown up girl bonding time, you know, biographies of great women. She's like, I just want to be a kid. And I think Giselle lets her be a kid. And they mm -hmm. like have that relationship where it's like, yeah, like it's, and I think that gets back to me to like what that kind of question is when he's giving her that book is like, what do we, how how do we deal with children and tell them like, everything's great. And it's like, well, it's not like the real world will kind of come crashing down. And he's like, I want her to be, you know, uh, strong and tough and be able to handle the challenges of life. But I think you're right. Is that Giselle is like, I also, you know, I want her to be joyful and to celebrate and like, you know, dance in central park. So I think there's like those competing things. And I, th I think the movie does a great job of not necessarily like coming down on one side or the other, Sure. For a Disney movie, which is, you know, impressive. Usually but I think one it's like, really heavy handed with a single message, usually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that it's like, OK, you know, and uh, I wrote down this quote because I feel like if there's any like central thesis to this film, it's uh, what the, um, the uh, divorcing couple that gets back together. The woman says, everybody has problems. Everybody has bad times. Do we sacrifice all the good times because of them? When it's like when they've gotten back together and you're like, yeah, yeah I think that yeah. like if there is that you know, message. I don't know that it's just one message, but it is like, okay, whether that's a relationship, whether that's your, the story itself, like there's ups and downs, there's good and bad, but mm -hmm. like, 
yeah, I think you can going to one end of like everything's perfect and we can't talk about bad stuff or everything's terrible and we like, you know, any joy or love is a lie mm. is, you know, just as harmful. So, I, yeah, I guess it is a like synthesis of those two, some sort of compromise. Yeah, I thought the message was very much on the same vein of like happy ever after looks different for everyone. It's not mm. supposed to be what we we saw in fairy tales. <laughs> it's supposed to be what works for for you like that couple hated each other and they were fighting over a guinea pig why am i what no, was it? a baseball card. card yeah oh yep. yeah i was like why would i think guinea pig anyways they were fighting over a baseball card even and less important <laughs> eventually get back together because like they realized that it's not always going to be happily ever after but like it's worth mm -hmm. it to work on it for the good times and i thought that was very i think re-watching this in a marriage yeah. <laughs> like before I was obviously very single and flouncing around <laughs> Chicago. And now that I'm in a committed relationship, it's very like, yeah, for sure. Relationships aren't perfect, but do you <laughs> want to just damn <laughs> so tell me how you really that? feel? <laughs> do you want to sacrifice all of the love and the good time that you have for like, for giving up? Yeah, no, I, I, 1000% agree with that. The one thing I had a thought when I listened to that line is I agree. I think that's the central thesis of this movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it goes into like, for the time, I think that was hugely progressive. Today, I'm like, I wish we'd have done a little bit more in terms of exploring. Well, what does that actually look like? Because I think the implication there is almost if you don't dig into it, you could see it as sometimes things are tough but once you've picked your love you should just tough it out like like yeah hold on for when the good moments happen and there's a part of me that worries about eh, seeing abusive relationships where it's like you you tell yourself ah but you know it's when it's good it's really good it's just that when it's bad it's hell and it's like nah, that's yeah. not okay like yeah. but yeah i i do think if you dig into it to what you're saying danielle is it's like yeah not every day is going to be easy you know we've talked about that on, the, on this podcast like love is a choice and mm -hmm. some days that choice is very very easy other days you're you're kind of having to to white knuckle through it for a couple of hours um <laughs> sure. but that's i think very important and we it does at least break that idea that was came before this in terms of fairy tale of like literally nothing ever is bad once you find your love that's what heavily yep. after used to mean is like Mm -hmm. you, you find your love you're happy that's the love that's the state you're now in and you never have anything other than bliss for the rest of your existence and it's just like that is bullshit <laughs> yeah and that will lead people to i think what they yeah because it's then if there's any little flaws people throw away the whole relationship right. and i think yeah that's i agree is that probably that a lot of people needed to hear that in 2007 but yes. as a you know guiding principle it's like yeah that's not great and i think like the yeah the ideas of like who who is included in uh, fairy tales. Also, like, there's a little bit of datedness to this. Can we talk about the weird leather daddy who comes into this film when James Marsden is looking for Giselle in the oh. apartment building? <laughs> the door, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just oh. like, that's wild that that's in a Disney film. And I was just like, wait. <laughs> and like, so bizarre, but also a like, oh, like, <laughs> what, what conversations did some parents have to have of like, oh, we'll see... Because, like, in, and also in my memories of it, he was, like, much more intimidating. He's just, like, yeah. a nice guy in a leather yeah. vest and a headband. But, yeah. like, that being, like, a joke is super weird. Uh, yeah, and I hopefully would be dealt with differently today. Um, and there's also, because that's also where uh, he opens the, there's a few different door scenes. But there's one where that, like, you know, 
maybe early 30s woman opens the door and she's pregnant with kids and she goes mm. you're too late and it's uh -huh. like oh yeah. so like a woman over 30 or a gay man like they don't get the prince let's be real like and that's like a there's a hard line there where you're like oh yeah that didn't didn't sit well fun fact too is that woman was the voice of uh pocahontas they like snuck in a bunch of disney princesses Wow. Where I, that was again not I did not recognize her I just uh, looked up in Wikipedia was, she she's the voice I love of that you did research for this by the way I Scott did. this is like I, my, my I was like ooh there's a, a whole Wikipedia article on like Disney references in Enchanted I did sure. not read all of it but um, the cool. assistant for uh, Patrick Dempsey's assistant is the voice of Ariel the woman on the soap opera that um, they watch in the motel room is mm -hmm. the voice of bell i believe huh. so it's like interesting but it's also like you know they didn't include ming na wen the voice of mulan which had been out for almost 10 years not cool she's great she's she amazing the, she's the voice of mulan yeah she why they, didn't i go see her at comic-con then she's way cooler than i even thought she was because <laughs> people are saying she's done she's the first person to do the disney hat trick is she's been a Disney princess, a Marvel kind of superhero. She was in Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And now she's in Star Wars. She's yep. in a new Boba Fett film. So I'm just like, you... She's freaking awesome. I mean, like, she's it's so good. Also, speaking of people, woo, hot. Oh, my God. Her she's Instagram hot? is... Like, Over... I started following it for, for Mandalorian stuff. And then I was like, oh, oh, Ming-Na, damn. All right, you could get it. And she's like 50, 60 years old. And she does her own stunts. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah, she's a martial artist. I looked her because I was like, oh, like, uh, what else do I know her from? And she's 5'4", also, which I'm just like, you're a martial artist and, like, a woman in the industry who's, like, a tiny little powerhouse and <laughs> just killing it. Yeah. So if Ming-Na Ming Wen is not in Disenchanted, we will all, you know, cancel our Disney Plus subscriptions. I think that's a, go. a good line to draw. Yeah, Disney. That's a threat. <laughs> Listen to us, Disney. Disney is very concerned with the listenership of this podcast. Yeah, we are so. small but mighty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, should we then wrap it up? I mean, uh, uh, transition our Ming-Na love to our Enchanted love? Yeah, I just sure. want to say one last thing, and it was kind of like a revelation I had. I don't know if it's a revelation, but after watching this movie again, I was like, this movie I love so much because it's also just like one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, Elf. Mm. Where they take oh. storybook characters and they put them both in New York in the real world. And it brings the joy of like storybooks and fantasy into mm. something that could be real. And I, I don't know why. That just gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah. And no, so you're totally I, right. Those two films, I've never thought of that. Like they yeah, have a very have similar a very arc. Plot where yeah. she's like, I, uh, I'm figuring out like the subway and like <laughs> things like that. And he's like, I'm eating gum from underneath the railing. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, and there's a, a revolving door. The, that revolving door gag oh, was right. really good. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that just like furthered my understanding of why I love this movie and why I love mm. Elf. Fair enough. Totally. That yeah. makes sense. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I didn't write it down, but I think as we've been sitting here talking about it. You give me uh, your heart ratings? I am. I am. Um, I think I'm going to give it probably, I keep going back and forth between 3.5 and 3.75. So I think I'm going to go to 3.75 out of five hearts for me. 
Um, and while it is not my, like, it's not my go-to, I'm not going to like immediately go watch this again. Uh, I have enjoyed this movie every single time that I've watched it and would not be disappointed if it somehow, uh, entered my eyeballs for another time. So yes, I'll renew my vows as well. Danny. Cool. Five out of five renew for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely renew my vows. I think probably like four or 4.5 stars. I like there's there's problems with the movie but i do just like i I think what danny was saying of like that idea of like childlike innocence then like encountering the real world it's like yeah that's like a great like coming of age you know even though it's an adult character yeah it's just like a a a great arc and a great story and yeah it's cheered me up a lot and and re-watching it uh this time i was like yeah problems with it but also it's it's a great film yeah all right well with that i love you danny I love you, Nick. We, we love, love you, Scott. Scott. Thank oh, you so much for being too. with us on the mic. Yes. Thanks for having me. And we love you listeners. So thanks for hanging with us. You want Scott to plug things? Yes, I do. Oh. She caught me. Excellent. <laughs> he always turns it off. I do. I do. I'm terrible at that. Also, but yeah, Scott, please, what would you have to plug? Sorry, you had something to say, Danny, or no? Yes, you you plug things. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> okay. what she had to say. <laughs> you plug okay. things. Uh, yes, if you are interested in the books, like I said, they are Pricked and Screaming Beauty by Scott Mooney. You can find them basically anywhere books are sold. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or follow me on Facebook, I'm at Scott Mooney Writer. Uh, Mooney, M-O-O-N-E-Y, in case that doesn't come up. Uh, yeah, and uh, there you can find when book three will come out. Your guess is as good as mine, hopefully before <laughs> the end of the year. Uh, yeah, and and uh, thanks for, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. And come watch us when Monster Mixtape is back in person, allegedly this year. Question mark. <laughs> T-B-D. Uh, okay, good. wait. One more thing. Uh-oh. We forgot to say that this song, we said it earlier. Guys, the songs, go listen to the soundtrack of this movie. It's so good. And I'll do my How rendition do- <laughs> of the Flash Mob. How do you know that you love her? How do you know that you really, really, truly love her? Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. We did it.